Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, my name is Miranda Wright, and this is day 24 of our 120-day Upper Room prayer campaign. And today's prayer podcast is all about the blood. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. By faith, we receive it. By the power of it, we are cleansed, changed, transformed, empowered, brought into newness of life, and redeemed from the curse of death, hell, and the grave. But do we understand the blood Do we really grasp the scope and the power of what Jesus Christ did for us that we might grab hold of it by faith and that we might be inspired to tell others the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, our sacrificial lamb and our risen Lord. To understand the blood of Jesus, we first have to understand atonement because it is the blood of Jesus that makes atonement for our sins. You see, in the beginning, God created us to be his sons and daughters, that he might walk with us and have communion with us. But in order for us to truly love him, we have to choose to love him. Because if we just create something that serves us, then all we have is a robot. But love is a choice. Therefore, to truly be loved, you have to allow the choice. So God created man and woman in his own image. A three-part being, as he is a three-part God, he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, he created us having a body, a soul, and a spirit. The body being the flesh, the physical, mechanical part of our body, that thing that was created from the dust of the earth. And then he breathed into us the breath of life, which is the spirit. And the Bible says that when he breathed his spirit within man, when that spirit touched that physical frame, man became a living soul. And our soul, according to scripture, is your mind, your will, and your emotion. Therefore, he created man to have a will that we might choose to love him. And even in this, from the beginning, we see the purpose, why the scripture says that there were two trees in the midst of the garden. The tree of life, which is the illustration of choosing to trust in God's will, God's love, God's plan, trusting in what he has provided for us. And then there was the tree of the knowledge, that tree that encompasses trusting in our own strength, our own logic, in what looks good to us, trusting in our own will. And God in his love gave a warning. He said, I've given you everything that you need and I love you and I want you to choose to love me too. So don't eat of the fruit of that tree because whoever eats of the fruit of that tree has sinned, gone in opposition to my will, and he shall surely die. Well, we all know the story. They did eat of the tree. They did choose to trust in what they saw, what they wanted, what they thought, because that is what the will is, what I think, what I want, what I feel, pleasing the flesh. They decided to betray trust and to listen to the leading of that other spirit, that old serpent in the garden, and they sinned. And this brought death into the world because when God speaks, it is law. 
If he says it will be, it will be. And he is just being the just God that he is. He is not a man that he can lie. He must honor his word for blessing or for judgment. Therefore, once the soul of man sinned against God, was sin entered into the world and the, and the fulfillment of that law being death. And since Leviticus 17, 11 says that the life is in the blood, but if you read that in the original Hebrew text, it actually says the nefesh is in the blood, which is the soul. The soul is in the blood. Therefore, the Bible says that only blood can atone for sin because it was the soul of man that chose, the will of man that chose to sin against God. Therefore, that is what must suffer the penalty of the law. Therefore, blood must be spilt because where there is sin, there is death and there must be a price paid, a soul for a soul. So God, seeking to save his beloved creation, enacted what was called atonement. And in the Old Testament times, the way atonement worked was that once a year, a high priest would first cleanse himself, and then they would sacrifice a lamb, and they would take the blood of this lamb, who would pay the price for the sins of the people. And this priest would take the blood of this sacrificial lamb into the Holy of Holies of the temple. And he would sprinkle this blood upon the mercy seat. And he would repent for the people and atone for their sins for one year. Of course, this had to be done year after year after year because the Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats is not sufficient to take away sin, only that it covered up for it for a season. But you see, the power of what was actually taking place here was that it was a similitude, an enactment of what would come one day that would eventually take away the sins of the world. Because you see, the scripture says that when God gave Moses the instructions for the temple, he showed him heaven and he gave him exact dimensions and instructions on how to build this temple because it was to be a small scale replica of heaven, of the very throne of God himself. Therefore, it was but an enactment because when the blood was taken to the mercy seat within the temple, it was only symbolic of blood being taken to the very throne of God in heaven because you see there was a problem. Man walked and talked with God when he was pure and clean and without sin. He had that communion. But once man had sinned and fallen out of God's grace, he no longer could commune directly with God, nor could any man bring a true atonement because no man could approach God. Because you see, the Bible says that no sin, no flesh can enter into heaven. Therefore, every person who died went to a place called Abraham's bosom. It was a holding place. They did not go to heaven. Because that they had not been atoned for, truly they could not enter in to a place where only the holy and pure and clean reside. And in all the years from the fall of Adam until the time of our Savior, Jesus Christ, there was never a man who walked the earth who was clean and without sin. So the devil, not fully understanding what he was doing, he laughed and he mocked as our Lord and Savior was led to that old rugged cross. He looked upon him with glee as his blood poured out, as he shed his blood to save our soul from hell. He didn't realize that a soul was being given for a soul. And then Jesus, as he draws his last breath, says those beautiful words, it is finished. Because you see at that point, for the first time, in all of human history, a man 
had just died without sin. Therefore, this man could enter the real Holy of Holies, the very throne room of God, heaven itself, and bring the blood of a true sacrifice to the real mercy seat. Because he died without sin, he, our real high priest, was able to enter in and bring the blood, his own blood, and bring it to the mercy seat of God and say, here, an atonement for the people. And his blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat and true atonement was released for all mankind, whomever would believe and call upon his name. They could receive the atonement of this, the real lamb that was slain. It is truly a divine exchange. Our soul sinned. His blood was poured out to make atonement for it. We rebelled. He suffered the punishment. He died that we might live. He took on our curse that we might take on his righteousness. He paid the price. Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it because the curse of sin was death. We sinned. He died. He fulfilled the law when he poured out his blood for us and then entered in our high priest to that holy of holies in the heavenlies and brought that blood to the real mercy seat the final atonement from the true Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. You see, I have to take you back again so that you can understand this a little better. We likely remember the story of when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt at the end of their 400 years of captivity. They had been under this cruel taskmaster. They had been servants to Pharaoh. They weren't allowed to walk in the choices of their own will, but they had to be submitted to the influence of this evil master. But through faith in what the Lord had spoken, even through the prophet Moses, they come to this place of Passover where the Lord has given them this word that if they will kill a lamb and apply its blood to the doorposts of their home, and that if they would apply it with hyssop striking the doorposts, with the blood, that this curse, this curse of death that is coming to bring judgment upon the wicked would pass over them. And they did. And they were saved and they were delivered and they were set free. And this is all before they had the law. These Israelites were saved by faith. Faith in the word of God. You see, they stood in faith on the word of God, having a promise that they would be protected from the death to come by the simple act of being covered by the blood of a lamb. You see, the blood of that lamb applied to the doorpost of their house allowed for the angel of death to pass over them. But in the same manner today, we stand in faith in the blood of Jesus that when his blood is applied to the doorpost of our heart, that the curse of death has to pass over us, we're no longer under that curse, but we are granted eternal life. You see, Jesus gives us a parable in the New Testament, and he says the true shepherd comes in through the door, but anything else that tries to come into the sheepfold by any other way but through the door 
He is a robber and a thief. We understand here that the blood was applied to the door. Anything that tries to come into the sheepfold by any other way but through the blood is not of God. It is of the devil. It's from that thief and that robber. Everything in our Christian life, in our faith, in our deliverance, in our salvation, in our healing, in our hope, in our revelation, it all comes through the blood. And if it comes by any other way, it is not of God. Any revelation, any healing, any manifestation, any sign, any wonder, any word, anything that does not come through the blood of Jesus Christ is not coming from the shepherd. It is coming from that old thief, that robber who is the devil. He's always trying to sneak in another way. He's always trying to tell you there's another way. There is no other way. There is but one way, and that is through the blood. Therefore, just like the Israelites during that time of the first Passover, we stand in faith in the word of God that the blood will deliver us from the curse of death, that it will deliver us from the destroyer, that it will deliver us from that old taskmaster, that it will deliver us from the bondage of Egypt, that it will deliver us from being under the rule and influence of that old master, that it will set us free. And it all comes by faith, by believing his words. And so now looking at that first Passover, we have to jump ahead a few thousand years to another Passover. You see, it was on the night of Passover that Jesus and his disciples gathered together for a supper, the last supper, the last Passover supper. God had given a commandment at the first Passover that the Passover itself would be remembered forever. And we do continue to fulfill that decree in the actions of the communion and that it is remembered and continued on forever. But I have to take you to the elements of this Passover. Because on this Passover, the Lord Jesus Christ sat down at a table with his disciples and they break unleavened bread and they passed a cup around and they drank from this cup. And there's so much happening in this whole scenario that it's hard for our minds to even grasp the beauty of what God was doing for you and for me. You see, Jesus often referred to the church as his bride. And you have to understand that in the Jewish culture, when a groom would become betrothed, or you might look at it as engaged, to his bride, there would be a banquet, and they would sit together, and they would drink from the same cup. And this symbolized to everyone else that they were in agreement, that she was willingly choosing Though many times it was arranged by the parents, she still had to make that choice. She had to receive the engagement. And when they drank of the same cup together, it was a sign that they were in agreement, that she was choosing this marriage covenant. And so when Jesus passes the cup to his disciples, we see the enactment of the church represented as the disciples agreeing to come into covenant to become the bride of Christ. As they drank of that cup together in that night, they came into agreement that the church shall be the bride of Christ. But Jesus says as he passes the cup that this cup will be the testament in his blood. 
And the word in is very important here because the cup was actually a sign of agreement to a contract, to a covenant, to a testament. It was a marriage contract, but it was more than that. Because you see, the definition of testament is the same as our modern definition of will. Many of you may have heard the term, your last will and testament. You see, it is where you define the terms of inheritance that you are going to leave to someone. One of the reasons we call it the last will and testament is because it is the last act of your personal will or your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotion, your soul. And biblically, the last act of a person's will carries great weight in the Bible. We can see this played out in the final blessings of Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, and other biblical patriarchs, where on their deathbed, they called their children over to bless them, to pronounce their final will upon them. And here we see Jesus on the night before he knew he was going to die, passing this cup that he says is a testament in my blood. You see, the cup was a covenant. It was a marriage covenant, but it was more than that. It was a last will and testament of the inheritance that he was willing to the bride of whom he had just become betrothed. Oh, it's beautiful. He took us in. He brought us into the family of God. He made us his bride. And then he willed everything over to us. But there's a problem. You see, a will or a testament, it has no power as long as the willer or the tester lives. The one who makes the will must die before it can take effect. So Jesus had to die that we might live. You see, the Bible says that all authority, power, dominion, and might was given unto him. Everything that was of the Father became the Son's. And then he willed it to us. And then he died so that we could inherit it. My friends, do you understand that the New Testament, it is the new will. It is our inheritance. All of it. When you read the New Testament of the Bible, it is the new will and you are reading your inheritance. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you see it? It's a covenant in blood for a bride purchased with blood. And that's why there's so much power in the blood. And it doesn't stop there. She is atoned for by that blood. She inherits all that he has because of that blood. She can receive his spirit because she has been cleansed by that blood. She becomes part of the family of God and is lifted up above the enemy of her soul because of the blood. My friend, it's all about the blood. Everything changes. It allows us to be the new temple, the new priest the sons and daughters of God, reconciliation, sonship, joint heirs with Christ, kingship. It's all because of the blood. You see, everything that we have comes through the blood because with that cup, he betrothed us. And with his blood, he purchased us from our old father who was the devil. 
There are times in scripture where Jesus told the sinners and unbelieving that you are of your father, the devil. There are scriptures that say that you are either the children of God or the children of the devil. He purchased us and brought us into the family of God with his blood. And then in the spilling of his blood, then he leaves us an inheritance as his bride. Because of the spilling of his blood, we are able to receive that inheritance and walk in the power of his authority. All that has been given unto him is now inherited by us as the bride. And because of his perfect sinless blood, he was able to enter into the Holy of Holies and bring his blood as a perfect sacrifice. He laid that blood upon the true mercy seat, makes atonement for our sins that we might be set free, cleansed, completely washed and made white by his blood so that we can then receive the infilling of his Holy Spirit, which before could not indwell us because we were unclean. We could not be indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but now being washed by the blood, we can receive the Holy Spirit so that we can then walk in the power of that spirit to be the sons and daughters of God. It brings us power. It brings us authority. It brings us wholeness. It brings us healing. It brings our salvation. It brings us eternal life. Everything that we have is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, there were stories of when the presence of God, the very fire of the Holy Spirit would come down into the old tabernacle, into the old temple, and it would come into that holy of holies. But there were times when the temple had been defiled and the spirit had to depart because he could not dwell in that unclean place. Therefore, us being unclean, he could not indwell us. But by the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of his atonement, then that fire can fall on us. You see, when the 120 people prayed for seven days fervently in that upper room on the day of Pentecost, once that they had been through the Passover that they might receive the blood to be cleansed and atoned for, now they had their salvation and they sat with faith and with patience waiting for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They sat there and they prayed fervently believing in faith. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind and cloven tongues of fire sat upon each of their heads and what we've got to realize is that what those people who had been brought up in the Jewish culture would have understood was that this represented the fire of God coming down upon a new temple just like it had in the days of old when the fire of God was visibly seen coming down upon the old temple now it was seen coming down upon the new temples and nobody could deny that these men and women of God who had believed by faith and been atoned for and cleansed and made white by the blood of Jesus were now the new temple of the living God and the fire of God had fallen upon it once more and it indwelled them and they now walked with the very presence of the Holy Spirit of the living God within them. And it's all because of the blood. In Revelations 1 verse 5, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is our faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of this earth, unto he that loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's all because of the blood shed for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
that whoever should believe might not perish under the sin of the curse. Because let me tell you something, my friend. Many people say that there is no more law. That's not true. The law is still there. Until you have been atoned for by the blood of Jesus, you are still under the curse of the law. Because the law says, if you sin, you will die. And many times when the Bible speaks of death, it's really meaning hell because this word was used interchangeably. If you sin, you will go to hell. Because Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. Therefore, he is our death that we might walk in his resurrection. You see, when I believe in Christ, I am dead and buried. That old person that sinned that sin is dead. And a new person has been raised in newness of life, washed by the blood of Jesus. Remember when I told you that we are three-part beings. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. In this do we see the completion of what God did in the cleansing of our whole body. And that he tells us to wash our body with water for ritual cleansing, that is water baptism, that we cleanse our heart with the blood of Jesus, that is a cleansing for our soul. Remember, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotion, and only the blood of Jesus can cleanse that. Only he can give you a clean conscience. Only he can renew your soul. Only he can take away that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It is done by the blood. And then the fire baptism is what cleanses our spirit. Three baptisms all part of one baptism because they are all part of the whole all three are important because they're all three part of the whole yet the bible says that the fullness of god was encompassed in christ therefore it's all encompassed in the blood hebrews 10 19 says having therefore brethren boldness to enter in to the holiest by the blood of jesus christ because of the blood that jesus has given us that we have been atoned and cleansed we ourselves can boldly walk into the throne room of god paul said i go boldly before the throne of grace it restores our communion it brings reconciliation that in prayer we can commune with god we can come ourselves before that very throne and by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh and having a high priest over the house of god let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance and faith having our hearts sprinkled with the blood from that evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promise it enables us to walk in the fullness of the promises of god in ephesians 2 verse 8 it says for by grace the power of the holy spirit which we know is favor, power, and divine influence. It is the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us and manifesting through us by this grace, by this power, or we saved through faith because we can only receive it by faith in the blood. And that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk therein from the beginning. Wherefore, remember that ye, being in times past, were Gentiles in the flesh, 
who were called uncircumcision by that which was called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. In other words, he's saying that we were once alienated. We were once separated. We were once not part of the family of God. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. You see, God had given great promises to Abraham and to Moses and to the patriarchs of old. And we had no way to partake of that as Gentiles. Those of us who were outside the family of God, we had no inheritance in the promises of God. He's saying, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off or made close by the blood of Jesus Christ. You were not part of the family, but you've been adopted in. You could not reach God, but now you're brought close. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall, the partition between us. He's cut down the division, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances to make in himself of two people, one new man. So making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. In other words, the great purpose of the work of the cross was to bring all men, all nations, all nationalities into the family of God. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the father Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Jesus poured out his blood that we might be cleansed by his blood, that we might be brought into the family of God, that he might go out and take every tribe, tongue, and nation and bring them into the family of God that we might all be one with one blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. And what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Because the Bible says that when two are married, they become one, not just one flesh, but one spirit. And therefore, when we become part of the bride of Christ, We no longer belong to that old family. We are brought into a new family. We are given a new spirit. We are called by a new name. And it's all because of the blood. Jesus, we thank you for the blood. We praise you for the blood. We stand in faith in what you have done by the power of your blood. God, we love you and we thank you and we cannot but praise you for the work that you have done. From the beginning to the end, it has all been a work by your hand, by your word, and through your blood. And nothing can be brought into the sheepfold but through it. So God, we surrender to it. We give you praise and we give you thanks for it. And we receive it. We cry out, Lord, that you cover us. Lord, that you cleanse us. We cry out for the blood. We thank you and we praise you. We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that we believe in all that you have done and we apply that blood to 
the doorpost of our hearts today. We apply it to our lives. We stand in it and we believe by it and we thank you for it and we will tell others of it because everything that we are and can ever hope to be comes by way of your blood you changed everything when you poured out your blood you paid for us you purchased us with a price that we are no longer our own but we are yours and we surrender and submit our will unto you out of love and compassion and adoration because you are deserving because because of what you did, because of what it's still doing in us, and because of what it will continue to do until the day that you return. God, we thank you for the blood. God, we pray the blood upon our families. God, we pray that they come to see and to know and to understand the power of what you have done. That they come to love you because of the sacrifice that you have made. That they praise you every day because of the atonement of which you have paid the highest price to bring. That you wash us white. The book of Revelation says that the saints of God stand around the altars of God in white robes, having their robes washed white in the blood of the Lamb. We are saved by the blood. We are sanctified by the blood. We are delivered by the blood. We are healed by the blood. We are revived by the blood. We are empowered by the blood. Our revelation comes by the blood. It all goes through the blood. Anything that tries to come by any other means is not the good shepherd. It is a liar and a thief and I speak exposure on it. Those who say that there are many ways we do not stand in agreement we stand on the word of God by faith just like those Israelites we believe what God has spoken and we receive the blood and it saves us from the curse of death we stand by faith and we give praise for what the blood has done and for the promise that it assures for that blessed hope for all that it affords us because it makes me the bride of Christ because it gives me an inheritance in the kingdom because it allows me to be infilled and influenced and empowered by your spirit because it makes me a queen and a priest because it puts me above the enemy and not below because it gives me authority because it gives me assurance because it gives me hope because it gives me the name of Christ and because when I stand before my God, he sees the precious blood of Jesus and he has mercy and love and compassion. And when I stand before all the enemies of hell, they see the power of the blood of Jesus and they fear and they tremble and they must obey and submit to the authority even of the bride because it has been inherited from the groom as it was given unto him and he has given unto us that we might stand in the authority that he has given us and God we we praise you for it all because it all comes through the blood. God, we thank you for overcoming power that comes through the blood. God, we thank you for a conscience cleaned of the guilt and sins of the past because we have been made new by the blood. Jesus, we thank you that you endured the shame of the cross that you were willing to be plucked and persecuted and pierced and 
spat upon and whipped and mocked and ridiculed and rejected. That you took on our judgment, our sin, and our curse. That we might take on your righteousness. That you took on our filth. That we might take on the purity of your blood. God, we thank you for the will that you have left us, that New Testament. We thank you for every word and promise that is in it. God, we thank you that we are now partakers of the promises and covenants of Israel, of Abraham and Moses and Isaac and Jacob. And God, we thank you that there are even more poured out even across the New Testament, which is the declaration of the inheritance that you have left for us, that you give it all to us, that you paid for us with blood, that you wrote this will in blood. We thank you for it. We believe by faith that it is ours and we receive it because of the blood. Because of what you did. Because of who you are. Because you were willing to pour out your soul that you might save ours. And for the hope that was set before you, you endured the shame of the cross. Suffering without offense dying without sin, that you might be the one able to enter in and bring the blood of a perfect sacrifice, your own, to make an atonement for our life to the mercy seat, the throne of God. We thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.